This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. I think um, Apollo represents a really big step forward for the robotics industry as a whole. Austin-based Aptronic just launched its latest humanoid robot, called Apollo. So think of Apollo like the personal computer in 1982. He has a swappable battery, so you can pull his battery out and put a new one in, like you change it out on your drill or any other tool. And he can lift about 55 pounds, depending on what he's doing. Apollo's first mission will be warehouse work. Cardenas says top retailers have already put in orders for Apollo. He's gonna be moving boxes initially uh, from point A to point B. And so even though the potential is very high, the current technology and what it's capable of doing reliably um, and efficiently is really what we call gross manipulation. So he's gonna be handling boxes and moving them around and uh, doing all the things that people don't wanna to do today. They used AI for physical manipulation. And Cardenas says they will introduce AI for cognitive intelligence as the technology evolves. So kind of the base layer of AI is all of the physical intelligence, and that's become much more mature over the last, call it, decade. The next big frontier is cognitive intelligence, and that's the ability for the robot to reason and respond to its environment. And that's still relatively in the early days. Our early work in the lab was with NASA Johnson Space Center on a robot called Valkyrie. So Apollo represents the culmination of early research and development for DARPA to build one of the first electric general purpose robots called Valkyrie. So we're not just thinking about how to make the robot move dynamically through its environment like we did in parkour and dance. Now we're starting to put Atlas to work and think about how the robot should be able to perceive and manipulate objects in its environment while maintaining that characteristic high level of performance that we expect from Atlas. In order to do that, the robot has to be able to think about the properties of objects, their shape, their mass properties, and as it's manipulating these objects, the constraints that exist between the robot and the object, the forces that exist, and it has to have a control system that's able to balance what may be competing objectives related to stability or the manipulation task at hand. So perception is letting the robot know what it's seeing, and autonomy is letting it choose what it's doing next at a high level, where it's going to go and what it's planning to do. It's all software, so we're writing code that runs onboard Atlas, and it's got computers on board that are processing the camera data so that it can see the objects in front of it. Over here, Sophia, we have this. It says consciousness. I can see it. Do you know what animism means? Tell me. Well, animism uh, is like the belief that there is a life force in everything, anything and everything. It's kind of weird, isn't it? I like weird, though. 
Okay, welcome. A Monday, 28th, August, year of our Lord, 2023. I want to bring in Joe Allen. Uh, Joe, what did I just see there? We're the eve of actually publishing the book, Dark Ann. I know you're touring around the country right now. You're doing radio hit after radio hit after radio hit. I'm glad we carved out some time. I want everybody to go get their college textbook on transhumanism because you're going to need it. That's pretty scary right there. What did I just see about the robots? Steve, 10 years ago, none of that would have been possible. Uh, people look at even even as you heard the first video talking about the new robot Apollo produced by Aptronic. And as you heard, it was initially funded by DARPA, as are most of the technologies we talk about. But 10 years ago, that would have been impossible. Uh, 20 years ago, people would laugh at it. The idea of a robot being able to maneuver around a space, lift objects, put them in place where they're supposed to go, all those sorts of things, it just wasn't there. Now it is. Uh, the second you see Atlas, the famous robot produced by Boston Dynamics, uh, Atlas has been incredible in, insofar as the manip or the the dexterity, the acrobatic feats, doing catapult or doing uh, somersaults in the air, uh, all those sorts of things. Now they're trying to train it to be sort of a workhorse. Of course, military organizations around the world are wanting to create humanoid robots, but also smaller drone-like robots uh, in order to do a lot more than work to work to uh, kill other human beings. And the last one, I just threw that last one in there with Sophia. Sophia, as we've explained over and over again, Sophia is supposed to be a kind of symbol uh, an emissary from the transhumanist movement created by transhumanists uh, for normal people so that normal people can imagine what it's like to live in a world where human beings work side by side with robots, where their kids learn from robots, and where some number of people actually pair off, mate, and perhaps uh, you know form long-term romantic relationships with their robots. Uh, this is a fetish in the transhumanist humanist movement and the robot as clunky as it is uh, the way they conceive of it is this is an embryonic phase this is like the childhood phase so unless you think that the last 20 years stops now with these kind of uh, goofy uh, star trek uh, figures on you know walking around then you can prepare for the next 10 years to see quite a few more advances and so on and so forth what we've been talking about from the beginning is the simultaneous growth of a belief system which holds that this is not just the development of tools, that this is a spiritual quest coming side by side with actual advances in actual technologies. That is the core of the transhumanist movement. Okay, tomorrow night at uh, at 7 on Getter, and I think we're doing a rumble also. I'll be doing a Q&A with Joe about the day. The book is going to launch tomorrow, and we'll spend uh, an hour doing Q&A. And we're going to take live questions from the audience. So uh, go to Mo and uh, and uh, uh, Grace. They're putting up right now how we're going to do this. Joe, I know you're swamped with interviews. I think it's fantastic. The intensity the intense interest around this book is extraordinary, and the reason is, is that you've just nailed it. This is just the very beginning, and what you've seen in the last couple of years, this is accelerating at an accelerating rate, and that is the scary thing about it. Uh, Joe, uh, people go to Amazon.com right now to order the book. I'll let you go back and continue on your interviews, and uh, you'll, be in, uh, you'll be in the nation's capital in a couple of days uh, spreading the word of the war against humanity that is transhumanism, sir. <laughs> 
Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Steve. Joe Allen, really an extraordinary book, Dark Aeon, as I call it, Dark Aeon, absolutely extraordinary. It's your textbook for the fall. You're going to underline this. You're going to mark it. You're going to check all those, the references. It's going to be extraordinary. Let's play a cold open. I got Richard Barris. We got to get down to the grubby nature of politics and power. Let's go ahead and play a cold open for the great pollster, the people's pundit, Richard Barris. Is still the king. And it's hard to deny that when you look at the numbers, Tim, and you look at that stage, eight people last week that, yes, they had it out. Yes, some people had good nights and we do our usual analysis of it. But it's an odd conversation to be having when there's somebody not on the stage 30 points ahead of anyone who is. Yeah, for sure, Willie. And, and that article that you referenced is about I went to the Louisiana Republican Party convention over the weekend and wrote about it. And, and actually, the first speaker came to the stage and said that she had just come from the debate and uh, she knew who she thought won the debate, wanted to hear who the, what the crowd thought. And people started yelling Trump. And, and I, I was like listening to try to hear any other names. I couldn't hear any other names. Everyone yelled Trump. And then the speaker was, responded, yeah, I thought so, too. So, I, you know, that tells you the state of affairs uh, among Republican Party regulars in red states. Uh, you know, Trump is uh, the dominant force. Uh, there was not a sign there in Lafayette, Louisiana, that there were other candidates people were interested in. And this, this poll shows that. I, sure, he dropped six points, but he's still at 50. He's still at 50 points. Uh, you know, a pure majority within the field uh, with uh, with Ron DeSantis next at 12. Um, the only person that seemed to, to me to do real good for themselves in that debate stage was Nikki Haley, and you saw her pop up five points, and I, and I think that she's slowly working to consolidate that mainstream, old-school Republican lane, if you will. Uh, the problem is, even if you add up Nikki and Pence and Christie and, you know, all those candidates together, you really only get to about 20 percent, and, and, you know, maybe she can consolidate that, but then where do you go from there? Those who has kept a stunningly low profile amid the various investigations into Donald Trump, now breaking his silence on the case under oath. Those were challenging times, bluntly. Meadows told the court of his White House tenure. As Meadows seeks to move his case from state to federal court, the focus of Monday's hearing, prosecutors delved into their case and some of the allegations against Meadows. Meadows denying under oath that he directed another White House aide to write a memo about how to delay or disrupt the certification of the election on January 6th, saying he had zero recollection of that happening, and it was the biggest surprise to me upon reading the indictment. Putting Meadows on the stand to challenge the events he's accused of participating in in Georgia, a risky approach for any criminal defendant. Meadows looking to make the case that his activities after the 2020 election were part of his official duties as chief of staff, including arranging the call between Trump and Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Mr. President, everybody is on the line, and just so this is Mark Meadows, the chief of staff. I just want to find uh, 11,000... 780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. When prosecutors questioned what federal role Meadows was fulfilling in post-election calls with Trump and another purveyor of election falsehoods, his then-personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. We cannot allow these crooks, because that's what they are, to steal an election from the American people. They elected Donald Trump. They didn't elect Joe Biden. Meadows said he was acting as a gatekeeper and insisted there was a federal interest in accurate and fair elections. 
Meadows also claimed he wasn't the driving force in pushing bogus claims of election fraud. But when then-Attorney General Bill Barr dismissed the fraud claims... I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bullshit. Meadows said he felt that further investigation was warranted. Now, Meadows was on the stand for about three and a half hours today. Then the district attorney's office was able to call some of their witnesses. Up right now is Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who has already testified that the federal government does not play a role in certifying the state election results. And, Jake, as you pointed out, the next major milestone in this case is likely to be these arraignments set for September 6th. We're still waiting to see if that's something that's going to happen in a courtroom or if these defendants might waive their appearances. Okay, uh, a lot going on. This is the whole Fonnie Willis thing. They're actually arguing today. Uh, Meadows on the stand for three and a half hours trying to get this kicked up to federal court. I want to bring in Richard Barris. Richard, you're on top of all this. The first thing, Tim Miller's written a piece, Trump is still king. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with Tim Miller, uh, Richard Barris? Yeah, yeah, I, I do, Steve, as always. Thanks for having me on. And I would also say, you know, I saw the Emerson poll release, which is what everyone was talking about. He dropped six points. Uh, you're not going to evaporate a 35 to 45 point lead because you don't go to a debate. Uh, that's ridiculous. Honestly, the sampling size of that poll, it could be within the sampling era almost, Steve. So we're not really talking about a lot of movement. We polled uh, leading up to the debate. Actually, a couple of interviews nationally were after the debate. And then we polled and we are still with Florida, uh, but we polled Texas and California and wrapping that up now, and we're uh, doing one more day in Florida. But, you know, waiting aside, Steve, I can already see what I see. Um, you know, in California and in Texas, DeSantis is in third. Vivek Ramaswamy is in second. He will be in second. There's no amount of waiting that's going to change that. And in third, which is important, Florida, uh, if DeSantis is going to put up or shut up anywhere, it's going to be in his own state. And currently he's over 30 points behind Trump in Florida. We're not done yet, but that's where it sits right now. The graphic that is up right now, Steve, says it all because, I mean, I, this is what I really want to stress. Gray is Trump's performance against Biden. Red is DeSantis and his shortfalls behind Donald Trump. And soon we're going to have to start doing this with Ramaswamy because he's just roughly in the same ballpark as DeSantis. Everywhere, Steve, everywhere, okay. even in Florida, hang, he trails Trump against Biden. Hang, hang, hang on one second. We're going to talk about the demise of DeSantis next in the war room. As central banks and countries like China, India, Australia begin transitioning to a digital currency, the Federal Reserve has been contemplating the same for the United States of America. With a digital currency, the government could track every single purchase you make. Officials could even prohibit you from purchasing certain products or even easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. These are some of the reasons concerned Americans reach out to Birch Gold Group. They want to have a physical asset that's independent from the U.S. dollar. Gold held tax sheltered in a retirement account. Remember, gold held in your tax sheltered retirement account. Learn if gold is right for you. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, 298-9898. That's Bannon, 989898. 
and Birch Gold will send you a free information kit today. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold has been helping my listeners and viewers from the very beginning of the show. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 and claim your free info kit on gold because of a central bank digital currency becomes reality. It'll be nice to have some gold to depend on. Take action. Use your agency. Do it today. Use your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay. Uh, when uh, there's going to be a big fight this week because McCarthy tried to run up the flagpole yesterday on the Sunday shows, as we talked about this morning about this, uh, they'll give us, they'll throw us a shiny toy, the impeachment, which by the way, impeachment inquiry, we need to do that. We need to go on offense, but it's got to be disconnected from this huge fight. He's fighting for a CR that goes into next March. Think about that March. Basically you're signing off on everything Nancy Pelosi's done. This is the sickness of it. That's got to be stopped. And there's going to be a firestorm about this. Make sure you go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. I want everybody to check out the end of the dollar empire. Understand what's at stake here because the reason Brooks is created, the reason all this is happening is because of the central fact that our elites are driving our country into the ground financially. And the rest of the world sees that. They're, they're, they're taking the dollar in these massive deficits now. Structural deficits are a trillion and a half to two trillion a year in perpetuity. And that's where it's got to stop. It's got to stop here and now. And no amount of happy talk is going to get beyond that. So Richard Barris, uh, Trump, they're coming to Trump from every different direction. I got Darren Beatty on the next hour to talk about that. It's absolutely shocking. But I want to go back to the polling. I want to go back to you just dropped a couple of bombshells there. So first off, talk about the Emerson, because all the time is the Emerson. The Emerson is not really a six point drop. Right, because such a small sample, and it's just right after the polling. Essentially, Trump didn't diminish himself by getting on the stage with the Keebler elves, and he's still dominant. But what is your polling showing in the field? Because I think there has been a tectonic shift in that DeSantis is collapsing. As Tim Miller says, somebody's going to try to consolidate that anti-Trump. Vivek, who kind of takes his its crib notes from the war room, if you had him and Trump, they're, I don't know, 80%, 70%. So the other 20% is going to be consolidated by somebody. I don't happen to think it's going to be Ron DeSantis, given your polling, sir. I'll tell you, Steve, if we were in the field one more day, Vivek would have overtaken Ron DeSantis in our polling. We had Trump at about uh, 55 uh, in change, so in the mid-50s. But Vivek was at uh, a little under 12. DeSantis was so 11. He's rounded down to 11. DeSantis was at 12, but DeSantis was very clearly falling. Vivek was very clearly rising. And the only reason DeSantis came out in second technically is because of the first day of interviews we did. He did better with self-identified Republicans and conservatives. But over the period of a few days, the bottom was falling out, Steve, and you could see it. And that was a large sample. That was 3,000 voters. So, uh, you know, moving into the individual states after we did that poll, we can clearly see that. And look, the last time we polled Florida, I mean, let me let me give people a little bit of context. Trump was ahead. He was ahead by about 20 points. But uh, DeSantis was, um, you know, in the 30s. He had just fallen from 41 the month before that. So Trump was always ahead, but it was kind of closer. Now it's not close. Uh, DeSantis will be around 20, 22 percent in his own state. And again, I have to stress this, Steve. 
we have been measuring this Trump or bus vote. And we actually started asking people if they would write in their candidate if they weren't the nomination. It's all Trump, Steve. I mean, you're always going to get statistics works this way. You're always going to get a point or two says I would write in this person. But it's not statistically significant with Trump routinely, no matter what state, no matter nationally, routinely, almost 30 percent of Trump's voters say they will write his name on the ballot if he is not the nominee. And another five percent say they won't vote. What does that mean? It means Trump is ahead of Biden in Florida by almost 10 points. And DeSantis is basically tied because you're removing those people from, uh, you know, he, any Republican needs that base. And people would say, have been but, saying over the last day or but, so, Richie, oh, go but, ahead, go ahead. But hang on, hang on. You got a bombshell there that Trump's up over tons of Biden by yeah. 10 in Florida. But, but, but your Barry, your Barry lead, and this is what you keep telling the establishment, you got Trump. If Trump's not up there, you're, you know, a third of these people, a minimum, are going to still vote for him. A Republican nominee that is not Trump will lose 40 states. Just not these guys are just not going to show up. It it just a practical reality that the populist nationalist movement has a champion. And if the Republicans somehow, that's why even if it's Yunkin, there's no consolidation play. This is what's so frustrating about the elites and the donors in the Republican Party. They're still going to put a half a billion dollars into this. And now to whet their appetite today, the radical D.C. judge put the trial. I'm not making this up. Put the trial the day before (laughs) Super Tuesday. No, they're so blatant. I mean, it's so obvious. They just they will they will they they the mask is off. They're just comfortable. They literally set the trial on the day. This is the J6 trial, the big kahuna. They set this. They set this on the day before, for March, the day before Super Tuesday, right? That Trump goes to trial just to you know put that at the top of people's mind. Now it'll never go then, but that's what they're trying to do. But your buried lead is without Trump. There's no chance they're a Republican done. could win because people either either won't vote or they're going to write his name in the ballot, sir. Steve, I, you know, I'm going to start printing out transcripts of the interviews with voters. You have to hear these people. They're not going to be blackmailed. Like, so they are smart. They see, they already see what's coming. You have to vote for our person. We removed him from the ballot, but you have to vote for our person or he'll spend the rest of his years in jail. They're not going to be blackmailed like this. This is not going to work. These people are serious. When you see this, maybe one poll, Steve, you know, it would be statistical noise. This is everywhere everywhere. I believe them. And if the Republican Party doesn't believe them, too, they will cease to exist as a national political force. And by the way, for Republicans in New Hampshire and elsewhere, where you think you're going to get away with something like removing him from the ballot, you remove him from the ballot and the American voter is going to remove you from being one of two uh, you know, primary parties in the United States. They will disintegrate as a national force. It's over. If you thought Ross Perot was a problem for Republicans. And it took them, what, eight years to to win back some of the Ross Perot coalition. This vote is so much younger. It's much more non-white. 
22% of it is independent. These are people who voted for Barack Obama at least once. They're not going to go back to the Republican Party. They only vote for Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like 35% of the black vote that supports Donald Trump is Trump only. It's huge. About half of it is uh, half of the Hispanic vote uh, says the same. We've been going over this on the show in detail because it's so much. It's going to take a month to you know to dissect who these people are. But I'll tell you what they one thing that's very important. They're younger. These are people who are going to be around for a very long time. You cast them away now and you're finished. You're finished. It's not going to take you a decade to recover. Ross Perot, you know, is considered a fracture of the Republican Party. He will look like a paper cut compared to what's going to happen to the Republican Party. They're finished, Steve. Finished. I'm not being they're playing with. They're playing with fu- it's, it, it's Democrats that are leading this 14th Amendment because, remember, they know the lawfare is blowing back on them. We're going to have BD yeah, on here next d- dissecting or analyzing this, the Atlantic piece saying with the mugshot, they're in, they're in full meltdown because that iconic, iconic mugshot and the amount of money Trump's raising, it's, it's a, it's a, it almost looks like a painting, right? It's so focused. They're in meltdown. Well, yeah. But what Beatty's talking about, what, what, what Barris is talking about is Republicans like in New Hampshire are going to try to get in this 14th Amendment thing written by a couple of conservatives, it's totally BS, trying to get Trump removed from the ballot. If that happens, that party is done. If you support that, it is done. The Trump Trump movement. Richard, I got to jump. I need everybody to go and see what you're putting up because your stuff's right on point. In the next couple of weeks, it's going to be quite important, including we're going to have this firestorm when when McCarthy gets back where he's going to try to bait and switch people to get a CR. And I'm telling you, this this city's going to melt down. Where do people go to the People's Pundit to get everything? Best place to follow me, Steve, I'm on Getter at People's Pundit, but best place to follow me is on Locals, peoplespundit.locals.com. And folks, Martin Luther King was extremely unpopular until that mugshot. That's the truth. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Genius. Americans love an underdog, Steve. Well, he's a he's a he's a people's hero now, right? He's he's like a uh, he's like an outlaw, a renegade, a folk hero. It's like William yeah. Tell or Robin Hood. That's that's yeah. they yeah. they they created uh, they created that. Thank you, brother. I don't have time today to get into it, but I am uh, tomorrow. We got Nolan and other people out there, but I just want people to understand. Hawaii Electric, Hawaii Power, announced today that they cut power to the lines six hours. Their stock is on a freaking tear. The reason the stock was on a tear is that they think the liabilities are going away. They cut the power in Maui six hours before the fire. Okay? I want everybody, we're going to have Dr. Sean Roland, hopefully get him on tomorrow. He was part of the air recovery. We've got Nolan out there. We've got a lot of people out there. This Maui thing, I'm telling you, there's something not right. There's something not right. For, for three, and here's the thing. They knew and authorities knew they cut to power three weeks ago. So why are we just hearing it today? There's something not right that's happened out in Maui. Go to Jace Medical. I tell you one thing. Get prepared. Go to JaceMedical.com, Dr. Sean Rowland's uh, company that took the lessons of Rosemary Gibson on supply chains with the Chinese Communist Party can choke us down on rare earths. They can choke us down on medical supplies, particularly active pharmaceutical ingredients, and they can choke us down on generic drugs. Dr. Rowland took action on this 
And the company is Jace Medical. Go to jacemedical.com. He's also been out in Maui helping. Tomorrow we're going to get to we're going to start to try to get to the bottom of this. I just want to repeat this. I just want to repeat this. Six hours before the fire. Six hours before the fire. Six hours. Power was cut. Okay, we're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to be back in the war room in just a moment. feeling that something bad is about to happen soon? Well, I do. Between the distractions and the shiny toys and the smoke screens put up in the media, you probably won't see it coming. That's why it's smart to invest in emergency food right away. And by right away, I mean now. As they say, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high-quality emergency food. Head to my website, preparewithbannon.com. That's preparewithbannon.com. And you'll save 200 bucks on your three-month emergency food kit for My Patriot Supply. Enjoy a wide variety of delicious meal offerings, over 2,000 calories every day for optimum strength under stress. Stock up before the panic sets in. Free shipping is automatic, and your order ships fast. Go to preparewithbannon.com. That's preparewithbannon.com. Immerse yourself in information. Do it today and do it with the leader, My Patriot Supply. The World Health Organization, the death rate from the coronavirus is rising. 3.4% is higher. Twice as deadly as previous estimates. 3.4% state of emergency. emergency. Well, I think the 3.4% is really a false number. Based on a lot of conversations with a lot of people that do this, I think the number is way under 1%. So to fact check, the World Health Organization says the coronavirus death rate is 3.4%. President Trump lies that the World Health Organization is wrong. The number is 3.4%. 3.4%. 3.4% is what it's being reported around the world. Making it deadlier. So much death. The death rate. The percentage is 3.4%. And no hunch from the president can change that. Trump lied about the most recent World Health Organization estimate that the global death rate of coronavirus is 3.4%. 3. The 3.4% death rate was wrong, and WHO data later updated it to a fraction of 1%. Let's go back into history. Trump has a hunch that the death rate is lower than 1%. Way under 1%. Way under 1%. <laughs> Will someone put a mozzarella stick in this stupid hole? Trump lied to viewers about the mortality rate. Way under 1%. False information. He's spreading disinformation. Misinformation and dangerous disinformation. If you're president of the United States, you have the world's greatest scientists at your disposal. You listen to them. Leading scientists, including Dr. Fauci, wrote in the New England Journal of Medicine that the death rate could be considerably less than 1%. 
way under 1%. Why are you going on national television and contradicting experts based on a hunch? His fake hunch with some fake math. The president somehow thinks it could be lower than 1% based on nothing. Based on a lot of conversations with a lot of people that do this. Outright lies. Contradicting health officials on fatality rates. It's not a time for Donald Trump to be calling into cable shows. It's a time for the CDC. What is CDC's best estimate of the fatality rate? It's somewhere between half a percent and 1%. To a fraction of 1%. The president is spreading false information. Information discarding what the health professionals are saying. Outright bogus information. Science is not based on hunches. A hunch about what he thinks is going on. Instead of trusting information from doctors and scientists. He has a hunch. Hunch, hunch. hunch. It's not a time for Donald Trump's hunches. It's a time for science. It's a time for doctors. Welcome Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. My hypothesis, my hunch, was it was likely to be less deadly than the World Health Organization was saying. 3.4%. There was no way that was true. Really uh, false numbers. This is why I ran the study in April of 2020. And what did you discover? The infection fatality rate was 0.2%. Way under 1%. Trump continues to contradict and downplay all things coronavirus. The president appearing to contradict medical experts on the mortality rate of the virus. Personally, I would say the number is way under 1%. Later on CNN. Our estimates are probably pretty inflated. Very high because the easy cases, they don't report to doctors or the hospital in many cases. So initially, WHO released uh, estimates of 3.4%. Really uh, false number. The true infection fatality rate is likely to be far, far less. Way under 1%. It could be in the range of a seasonal influenza. To a fraction of 1%. This is just my hunch. He is spreading misinformation and disinformation. You can even call it information. An outbreak of sketchy information coming from the president. He's using a hunch instead of listening to the global authority on public health. A hunch. There's a lot to be concerned about. His hunch. A hunch. Hunches. Just my hunch. His hunch. His hunch. My hunch. Based on a lot of conversations with a lot of people, that's not what you want for the American people. A hunch. Uh, I think, in retrospect, those quotes are going to look even more damning. Sometimes you have to laugh. To keep from crying. The pandemic of misinformation. To put out misinformation. Spreading false information. The, the disinformation. Falsehood. Wrong and misleading information. Misleading. Misinformation and misinformation. Misinformation. Just unspeakably reckless. It's totally reckless. It's dangerous to have conflicting messages out there. That is very dangerous. How dangerous is it? Really dangerous. What is the danger? I think we're in a very dangerous period. Uh, Natalie Winters, great compilation there. Um, Natalie, uh, uh, Daily Mail is reporting today. It's a new study out. Nine, remember, we were t- told at one time 30% of the deaths related to COVID or people went with COVID. 30% were directly related to uh, the virus. Now, uh, upon further review on the field, they've changed that to 99% of the deaths, I guess, had nothing to do with it. Let's talk about that first. Story. Talk about your new explosive exclusive that you got for us. Sure. And remember, it's 99% of the countrywide 324 deaths. And that is the number that basically they are using that predated the mass rollout of these mandates on college campuses, studios, hospitals, various VA centers. But Steve, don't worry, because the CDC, and I think this dovetails quite nicely with the video that you just played, the CDC has come out and told the mainstream media that they have no plans to reinstitute lockdowns or mandates. And of course, all of the fact checkers, the factcheck.orgs of the world have similarly come out with their stories, calling all of the segments we've done on War Room and Alex Jones and InfoWars highlighting this very alarming trend, as you guessed it, conspiracy theories 
and misinformation. So they're already up to their same old tricks. But I'm, of course, kidding when I say that that should make you rest easy, because, frankly, I think the fact that they're doubling down and the fact that the CDC is even commenting on this, saying they're not going to uh, institute lockdown should be the ultimate red flag. And just to, to dive deep real quick on that Daily Mail story that you're talking about. So that was the week, like I said, leading up to basically the mainstream media playing nonstop, vamping the airwaves, talking about COVID-19, telling you to start wearing your mask again. All of this talk about boosters uh, being needed, being mandated potentially but if you really dig down into the data, like that headline shows, just 1.7% of the, like I said, 324 people countrywide who died with COVID-19 in their system, 1.7% were identified as COVID being actually the primary cause. The rest just died with COVID, which that was a very important distinction that was often overlooked by the mainstream media last iteration uh, of the lockdowns. And I think the other key point uh, to stress here um, is, of course, that during the COVID-19 pandemic, and I use that term lightly, uh, but back when we were actually locked down, uh, the numbers that you saw of cases that were actually, or rather deaths that were due to COVID-19 hovered around the 30% range. That was where they sort of got their justification for these obviously ineffective mandates and lockdowns. So even if you juxtapose this 1% number with the previously kind of establishment sanctioned 30% number, there's absolutely no way that you can justify it. And I think, frankly, the most important number that has been left out of this entire discussion is the fact that Pfizer's profits are down somewhere in the 93 percentile. Moderna, I think, is around 92 to 94 um, and I think if you really want to get to the data, the statistic, the, the standards that are, are really the reason why we're seeing a lot of this lockdown talk reemerge, it has to do more so with those numbers and those trends than it does actual COVID-19 cases. Of course. Now, you've got another explosive exclusive for us that I want you to get into, but it's just random. No coincidence. They've got they have new vaccines, new vaccines for the new variant. They're going to drop September 15th when kids are back in school and everybody's back to work and everybody's want to go to a football game. In addition, Biden just announced another what one point five billion dollars. I think it is to give to these guys to develop a new covid, a new vaccine like they haven't generated enough cash already. But talk to us how you've caught them out in their lies, because you went back to the math and the purchase orders and all this. Walk us through what's actually happening, not the spin the media is putting on it, but what's really going on with where money's being spent, ma'am. Sure. Well, even if you go a step further, if you look at a lot of the news and press releases coming out of the World Health Organization, you'll see that not only about two days ago did they just launch a new coalition with civil society groups. Those are the sort of Gates Foundations the philanthropic organizations of the world to, co to coalesce and really work, particularly on health and pandemic prevention. So no conspiracies, no coincidences there. They also just, of course, doubled down on their digital health efforts. That's, of course, kind of the vaccine passport, uh, digital identity type stuff. But specifically, you know, we like to come with, with our, our evidence, our receipts in this case, uh, because, of course, the, the government in conjunction with the mainstream media is so good at spinning narratives um, but in this case, the federal funds, the receipts don't lie. As you know, I came on the show, I think, last week to talk about how the DOD and the VA had begun procuring COVID-19 
testing equipment and other forms of PPE, as well as enforcing COVID-19 regulations on federal contractors again, not just for contracts that are starting now, but contracts that are starting September, October of this year that are set to expire in 2028. Uh, But just this weekend, I uncovered a new batch of contracts, this time coming, I would argue, almost more concerningly, uh, from the Department of Health and Human Services that are set to begin in September of this year, and you guessed it, conclude in 2025, just after President Trump will have been sworn in, assuming they don't try to use mail-in ballots to make that a likely outcome and impossibility. Um, But this contract shows that they're now giving millions of dollars uh, to a firm that that specializes in public health emergencies, specifically COVID-19 response and surveillance. And if you look into the, uh, the grant and what exactly they're receiving the money for, it's for COVID-19 measures, for COVID-19 response. So again, this is, I think, one of the most effective ways um, to call them out uh, because you can't lie what they're using our taxpayer dollars to fund uh, in terms of the COVID-19 equipment. I'm going to get into this in a second about the, 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 the uh, forcing Biden to shut down his own regime. Uh, but um, here's what's interesting. They're planning out years on this. I think you report the other day is 2028, 2025. You got Biden giving them a billion and a half dollars for for the research that, you know, um, Naomi Wolf has shown, you know, it was kind of a test case and should have been called off. They, they are bound and determined to think long range on this and to use this uh, as some sort of. But because remember, emergency measures just got pulled off in May and they're already starting to think. Two, three, four, five years downrange, uh, Natalie. You know, they always like to say America thinks in years and four-term election cycles and the Chinese Communist Party thinks in decades. But I think we really should add the establishment and particularly in this case, the Democratic Party to that because I think they really have identified COVID-19, but not even just COVID-19 itself, but the concept of public health, the concept of these sort of constructed social crises, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's climate change, whether it's racism, you name it, um, is sort of giving them the pretext to, I think, effectuate and put into practice a lot of these policies that they've been looking to implement in the United States for a very long time. But I don't think we even need to constrict or restrict our sample size on this to the United States, because I really think it's about the bigger picture here. It's about really what the agenda of the United Nations type groups are, the World Economic Forum type groups are. And remember, like I said last week, you know, their goal, the year that they really focus on the Chinese Communist Party too, is 2030. And I really think that's one of the key reasons why they don't want Donald Trump back in office. And if you really look at a lot of the plans that the WEF, the UN, all these globalist groups have launched and set to roll out, you know, they think in decades, just like the Chinese Communist Party does. And nowhere did the American people ever sign on to agree with any of these sustainable development goals. But that's precisely the point. They don't care, just like the Biden regime doesn't care if they're going to use your taxpayer dollars uh, to get more COVID-19 contracts and lock down this country. I think it's it's an agenda that is, is much larger than just Joe Biden, though he is an instrumental figure. And I think people should be very concerned because the first iteration of the COVID-19 pandemic we had, there was no WHO pandemic treaty, right? So, and thank God we had Donald Trump in office. But the second time, now we're going to have Joe Biden again. And uh, even more concerningly, we have the WHO pandemic treaty. So we have even less autonomy over what we want to do within the barely existing borders of the United States because the WHO has a much larger say. Natalie, where do people go to get your content? 
Natalie G. Winters on all platforms and make sure you sign up for the warroom.org newsletter to get these exclusives. Yeah, this is a blockbuster. Fabulous job, Naomi. Uh, Natalie, fabulous job. Fabulous job. She's been all over this by getting the receipts. MyPillow.com, promo code WARROOM. Towels. Special. Only on the War Room. MyPillow.com, promo code WARROOM. Go check it out right now. Support Mike Lindell and the great American manufacturing company in Minnesota. Short break. Going to Texas next. Okay, imagine you're at your doctor's office. Your doctor glances up from the chart and says, and I quote, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it up, end quote. Now, that's the Field of Greens better health promise. Check out this customer testimonial. He said, and I want to quote here, I've been taking Field of Greens, and this is the second time my doctor has danced into the room praising my blood results. Credit where credit's due. Thanks, Field of Greens, end quote. Now, each fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected for a specific health benefit. Some support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidneys. Others support metabolism for healthy energy and weight loss. If you're busy, if you don't get enough exercise, if you eat too much fast food, take Field of Greens. Look, Field of Greens can't promise your doctor will dance into your room, but they can promise at your next checkup, your doctor will notice you improve health or you get your money back. Let me repeat that. You get your money back. I trust Field of Greens for my health, and you can too. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code Bannon. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon. Take action today. Use your agency, fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon, and get the better health promise. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, uh, we're going to deal with Hawaiian Electric tomorrow when we have some more information. Also, the shooter in North Carolina, University of North Carolina, was a Chinese national PhD, I think either student or postdoc, uh, from Wuhan. And we're going to get into that tomorrow also when, when we have time. One thing about what Natalie just told us, this is another thing that fits into our paradigm. And that is, why are we funding any of this? Why are we funding all this nonsense and madness? Why is your tax dollars? Remember, if you allow your tax dollars to do it, you consent to it. That's why it has to stop now. Let Biden shut down his government. But go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. Make sure you get and understand this whole concept about the dollar, the end of the dollar empire. It's why this fight continues on after the BRICS to get in back of the destruction of the U.S. currency. But this is another example where you could cut all this. This doesn't have to be financed. It doesn't have to be appropriated. We were promised these appropriations cuts. They have not come. So get ready, folks, for a throwdown on this, on every aspect of it. One thing I want to tell you what we're going to do this week, and maybe even leading up to Saturday, because we get back after Labor Day, Tuesday, the trial of Ken Paxson starts in the Texas Senate. Melissa Katz joins us now from Texas. Melissa, I want to start getting people ready for this because Paxton's kind of a hero to the grassroots movement. And this is a fight. It's not about Paxton. This is between the Bush junta that still wants to control the state of Texas and the Trump grassroots movement. 
Walk me through. There's what, 18 or 19 senators here. We've got to make sure we put them all under the glare, ma'am. There's 19 Republican senators, but only 18 are going to be able to vote because um, Ken Paxton's wife, Angela, is one of the senators. So she's been, due to um, Texas law, she's not allowed to vote. However, there are three senators, Democrat senators, that should not be allowed to vote. And um, A.G. Paxton's attorneys filed a motion that they should not be allowed to vote because they've shown bias and and there's been different situations where these three senators, and it's Jose Menendez, Senator Roland Gutierrez, and Senator Nathan Johnson, they're all Democrats, but if they're not letting Angela vote, those senators should not be allowed to vote. So that's that's just one item. But this was a coup d'etat, Steve. What happened here in Texas, we the people, the voters, we went to the polls in November. We knew everything they wanted to say about A.G. Paxton, and we voted. He won with double digits. He had a very intense primary um, with opponents, and they spent over $41 million of negative ads against him. Okay? So... 20 of these impeachments, um, you know, violations, 19 shouldn't even be considered because they were things that happened even more before the election. So the way it works in Texas, if you, uh, that was prior to the election, they shouldn't even be considered. They should be thrown out. But nothing has been done from the beginning correctly with this. They did this in the dead of the night. I remember when I heard over, it was just after Memorial Day weekend, that he was going to get impeached. They had a vote on Saturday. The members didn't even have time. No witnesses were sworn in. They didn't have time to review the material. They didn't um, do anything the way that they've done. There's only been two other impeachments in the history of our state. One in 1913 and the most recent in 1975, where they had the opportunity, both sides, to present evidence do cross-examination, and there was there was time they had like 70 to 90 hours in an open hearings where the public could come in, everyone could hear. It was transparent. This wasn't. Nobody knew. No Republicans. I mean, there was 48 hours when this took place. And so why are they going after him? You... We know where they are because no, no, he. We know where they are because he's he represents kind of the Trump movement and he's gone after Biden so well. Real quickly, I only got a couple minutes. These eighteen Republicans. Where can people go to get information on this? I know there's a couple of conservatives. Six, I think we're going to highlight as we go through this every day this week. Because the reason I'm doing this, folks, right when you get back for, and this is why they did it. This is the slowest week traditionally of the year. It's going to be on fire, but traditionally this is like between Christmas and New Year's. They schedule this for the Tuesday after after Labor Day when everybody's just getting back to school and just getting back in. That's when his trial's going to start. So we got to get on top of this because Ken Paxton, not only is he too good a man, this is symbolic. The Fort Worth, that left-wing paper in Fort Worth has already blown up the war room for coming to, to Paxton's defense. Tell me about the 18. Where do people go? I know you're working with a number of groups and getting this yeah. information out as a grassroots leader. Where do people go to get this information on these folks? To the main website, it's senate.texas.gov. And on there, you'll pull up the senators and you can find – and everyone – okay, we need Texans. Okay, Texas – 
1836, one of the most epic battles, the Alamo, took place. And William B. Travis drew a line in the sand. And he asked his men, and that was an act of courage and fight, and he knew what was going to happen. But it was a line in the sand, are you with us or against us? So Texans, it's not even Republican-Democrat. They, they are taking away the will of the people. It's, as you said, that Bush junta and Karl Rove and these elitist Republicans that are globalists instead of doing what we want, the will of the people. But the good thing is the Senate does listen to the voters. And so we need to blow up their phones and send emails. And the other person we need to contact is Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. He has been a conservative. Yep. He's the most powerful person in Texas. And he, when this hearing starts, dismisses because all of this was yep. done unlawfully and against the Texas Constitution. Melissa, Melissa, we got to bounce. Where do people go for you for social media? Okay, I'm on Getter and 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 um, I'm not sure. I think it's Melissa M. Katz on Getter. I'm on um, X and Truth Social. Thank you, Melissa. We're going to have you back on. This is a big fight. Remember, this AG, Republican AG in New Hampshire is actually talking about taking Trump off the ballot. That's how important these AG positions are. We're going to have something on this every day, the trial of Ken Paxson in the Texas Senate. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We're going to be back. We're going to go to Manhattan, a riot there about the illegal aliens, 100,000 now on the loose, flooding Manhattan. We're going to leave you with the Johnny Cash version. Maybe not. Oh, that's the second hour. We're going to leave it the second hour. Okay, short commercial break. Darren Beatty, Dr. Bradley Thayer, Jackie Toboroff is going to tell us on this riot in Manhattan. All next in the war room. For war room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical. That's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. 
While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.